I have grown really sick and tired of spinning debris and a giant column of energy <laughs> attacking the earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's become a standard. Welcome to the Story Geeks Podcast. I'm Jay. I'm Daryl. And today we will be making Man of Steel better, which is kind of a fun thing to be doing because Man of Steel was your first podcast. It was. When you started the Reclamation Society podcast. It was our first podcast of all time. Yep. What was that, 10, 15 years ago now? (laughs) Yeah. Not so much. No, not so much. But about a year and a half. About a year and a half ago. Yep. Well, it's fun to kind of come back and talk about this one again. I wasn't quite in the picture at that point, but I listened to that one and I enjoyed it a lot. So yeah, that that was. If you want to hear us dig deeper, that's. A, I mean, that was our first dig deeper of all time. So it's a little rough around the edges in places. Our audio it was definitely, pretty deep, though. I mean, it was very deep because I had um, George Harrison on, who is like a professor. He's kind of like uh, Anthony Holdier from the the Story Cauldron. Yeah, he's a professor of world religions. He's been that before, ah. and he's a philosopher. He's, they, the two of them were like. Either, so really smart. Yeah, they either would like get together <laughs> and like like the time zone or the time travel continuum would like burst and they would yeah go, they, they would can't both be occupy the same space at the same I time. I don't think so. I know so. Yeah. Yeah, but they would they would enjoy one another's company probably. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, um, before we dive into this, why don't we just um, do a quick refresher on how we feel about this movie? Because yeah. I don't feel like we've talked about it in quite a while. So yeah. We didn't prep for this, but just real quick, right off the top of your head, give me a one to ten. Tell me how you feel about this movie. Yeah, this this movie, for me, the first sixty percent of this film is a ten out of ten. I, I love the first sixty percent of this film. Yeah. In fact, as I'm watching before it, before the buildings start to fall. Yes. <laughs> as I'm watching the film, like like this that whole time, like the the opening scene that's in Krypton, I think is fantastic. As then we see. Uh, young Clark growing up, I'm I'm thrilled by that whole that whole sequence. Yeah. The relationship he has with Jonathan Kent is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean all of these things are just really powerful, powerful things. And then it's not really until the very end of the film that I'm I start to be disappointed. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm with you. I I would probably give it a. I'm I'm gonna go down your path here. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna go with the whole number. I'd probably give it like an eight point five overall. <laughs> yeah, overall, I think I said that the last part of the film is like a four out of ten, so it ends up being like a. Ouch! That's a steep drop. Seven. It is. Well, that's the problem. I yeah. Mean, the, the the drop is pretty steep for me, but I would say like overall, I'd probably still give it like an eight out of ten, maybe. All right. But um. But yeah, that that's a pretty steep drop off there in yeah. the end. So. I do kind of feel like I mean I love Batman versus Superman, and I love Justice League, but I do feel like Man of Steel had a representation of Superman that has been slowly just kind of chipped away at and degraded mm. ever since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it yeah. hasn't been as good as it was in that first movie. Yeah, I can see that. So, but I love it. It's it's way up there among amongst my favorites. It's in my top ten yeah. comic comic book movies of all time for sure. I don't remember 10. exactly where, but it's in there. I'm pretty confident it's in my top 10 as well, but I don't remember exactly where either. It's actually my... I even go farther than farther than that. Despite its problems, it's my favorite Superman film of all time. Yeah, I go with that. So, 
I think the original 78 film is probably not super far behind it for me, but yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, all right, so it's not perfect. It's not perfect, no. So let's perfect. fix that. Yeah, let's, let's fix make it. it perfect. Let's, let's make, make it, it better. Let's make it better, yeah. <laughs> so as usual, we've got a few rules for this. Um, you want to walk us through the rules real quick, or do you want me to do that? No, I can walk through the rules. Okay. Uh, so we can't recast anybody. Right. Can't change any directors. So we can't say, like, oh, we don't like Zack Snyder, which is not true, because I actually like Zack Snyder. Yeah. Um, but what we're, so what we're trying to concentrate on uh, is more in the storytelling aspects, right? which is where we're going to focus. So we're going to focus our attention on making it better, but specifically in regards to things that would make the story better, right? With, given what we've got already. Yeah, we have to deal with story. We don't have any other tools. That's right. Those are the standard rules. Right. Now, we do have uh, a... Patreon account. You can go uh, check out our Patreon account. Just just go to patreon.com and search for the Story Geeks, and you'll find us. Um, I'll leave a link in the show notes. But if you uh, if you give if you support our show through Patreon, um, then you get access to additional content from That's us, right. and you will have uh, access to some to Daryl and I's fourth thing that we would improve to make Man of Steel better. And that one's going to be special because for that fourth one, we are allowed to break the rules. Yeah. We can do anything we want. We don't have to stick to storytelling. We can recast. We can have director come in. We can have different music. We can, whatever we want to do with that, with this We can this have one. Joss Whedon come in and handle half the film. <laughs> Guess what? Spoiler alert. That's not on mine. <laughs> no, mine either. <laughs> yeah. but So if you guys want to support us on Patreon, you can get access to this additional content. And Patreon is just a cool thing because it helps creators like us uh, be able to continue to make uh, things that we're making. And it gives you access to stuff that we're creating specifically for you and not for the mass market. So you get some specialty things there. So go check us out on Patreon. And then hopefully you can hear the additional special feature of this podcast. That's right. That's right. Cool. All right. Well, let's dive in. Let's go for it. Why don't you... uh Give me your first way that you would make Man of Steel better. Okay. Um, I have grown really sick and tired of all these films that have spinning debris and a giant column of energy (laughs) uh, attacking the Earth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's become a standard. I think a good half of the DC films have it so far. I know. I know, and I can't stand it. I mean, it was fine once, but why do we need to do every single film that way? So uh, so my first one is to remove the terraforming aspect altogether from the film. Okay. Um, for context, I really like Zod. I think Michael Shannon is actually a fantastic Zod. Um, and I like the fact that he is someone who is sort of like a blue-collar Kryptonian in a lot of ways. And wants to maintain the Kryptonian sense of like battle and war and like Kryptonian supremacy, yeah. so to speak. I like that aspect of it, but I just don't like the terraforming. So the idea I came up with instead of terraforming or replace terraforming is that I would actually think it would this would be really fascinating is to use Zod as the how do I want to put this the antithesis of Superman in terms of Superman doesn't like the fact that people think that he's comparable to God and um, 
I think that Zod should just take on that persona entirely. So what I would love to see is instead of the terraforming, that Zod comes to rule the Earth, not to re-terraform it, not yeah. to change it, but he comes to rule Earth as the god of Earth. And what he's promising to the Earthlings is godlike power. So he brings in like Kryptonian like technology to transform the Earth's populace into Kryptonians, essentially. Mm. And so he's basically, and he starts out small. So it's not like he just runs into Metropolis and like starts to be God. He actually does a subtle thing where he goes actually nearby where where uh, Clark Kent lands, but like maybe far enough away that it's it's hidden and uh -huh. he's attracting people. Some of his minions, maybe they need to go get more energy or whatever. And so they're forming terrorist acts, but he's sort of like the David Koresh of <laughs> super villains. The Kryptonian um, David Koresh. The Kryptonian David Koresh. <laughs> and, uh, and so then when Superman discovers that that's the case, um, I also think there's a really great through line here because now we give in Batman v Superman, now we give Batman a chance to really see what it looks like if a Kryptonian with this much power oh, was to become yeah. godlike. Yeah. And and so then he just kind of then then Batman can assume that he's gonna do the Zod thing. Yeah. And then there gives him more of a reason to be pissed off about it. So yeah. that's my first change. It's hard not to think about this one in terms of what comes after it. <laughs> it's really hard, I know. I think the my choice is I sort of steered away from that concept. Um, so my first one actually would sort of negate <laughs> Batman versus Superman a little bit. So <laughs> let's just call this an alternate reality version You're of the movie. That, but um, I would tone down the destruction. Yeah. There is so much destruction. I yeah. feel like, I think I read something a while after that movie came out where somebody actually tried to estimate <laughs> the amount of damage yeah. and the loss of life. And it was, it was something like seventy billion dollars and like over a hundred thousand people dead. Like it was ridiculous. Right, 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 right. It was insane. But um, I get that they were, you know, trying to, trying to correct what people felt went wrong with Superman Returns. How sure. there's no violence in that whatsoever. There's no one even throws a punch. But right, it's just. It's way over the top. Way over the top. And not only does that make it kind of boring to watch because it's just a big CG fest. Yeah. It also, it takes away from the story because at the end of that, excuse me, at the end of that, um, you have the scene where Superman kills Zod. Yes. And does it in order to keep him from murdering this family. Right. So, which is... I get what they're doing there. That's impactful. Sure. But it's just not as impactful after you've just seen the two of them destroy the entire exactly. freaking city. Exactly. And kill who knows how many people in the process. Exactly. So what I would do instead is the majority of their battle, I'm okay with the small town battle that takes place between Superman I'm and too. Zod. Yeah, I'm too. That's fine. Is that in Smallville? Felora, yeah. With Felora? Feora. Feora. Yeah. Uh, it is in Smallville, yeah. And Non and Zod. Okay, I'm okay with the that. The IHOP, one. they go right to the IHOP. But the big climactic battle between Superman and Zod, let's have most of that take place away from the city. Yes. Have it take place over the ocean or in a field somewhere. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Someplace else where there's not so much collateral loss of life. Yeah. And have Zod's endgame be like at this point. 
There's the terraforming thing going on. He knows right. he's not going to turn Clark. So at this point, let's, he just wants to kill people. Yeah. And he's trying to get to Metropolis to do it. Yeah. So rather than having Superman go through all this destruction and then kill him to save this one family, I would rather have him desperately trying to keep Zod out of the city and mm. Zod is trying to get to the city. Mm. And then he ultimately kills him in order to keep him from getting to the city and killing a whole bunch of people. Interesting. So this is, I like, I really like where we're going because we actually chose separate paths that I think are both really good movies. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of cool because um, in mine, I have the exact same thing for my number two. So that was your number three. My number two is no God battle. Yeah. Right? So the, no giant battle like that. Like, yeah. I'm cool with the Smallville battle as well. I don't think that's a problem. I think that's cool to, to see, like, what they could potentially be capable of. That's fine. I'm, yeah. I'm all about that. Yeah. Um, and there's some small beat moments in there because there's, there's fewer people. There's less collateral. Yes. So they're able to save people and put more of that stuff in there. Exactly. Yeah. So I had this similar type concept in number two because I'm saying no God battle. And the... That's lowercase g, by the way, just so you, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're gods or whatever. And um, and so I have, in, in alignment with, he's he's trying to create Kryptons, right? He's, sorry, he's trying to create Kryptonians, and he's he's turning them into super soldiers with Krypt- Krypton technology. Superman figures this out, and he goes to battle Zod there, and he has all of these human beings who are now kind of superhuman beings to mm-hmm. a certain extent. But the technology in that... Um, the technology in that area that's turning the humans to Kryptonians also limits what Zod and Superman are capable of. Yeah. So when they fight, we don't see godlike powers. We see smaller. So it's still a Superman, more down to earth. A little bit more down to earth. And I think that that's kind of cool because then we get to like increasingly see what Superman's powers could be over the course of multiple films. Yeah. As opposed to him going straight into God mode. Yeah. You know? um, and I think that. For yours and for mine, one of the coolest things would be to see Zod utilize, because in, in my scenario and in your scenario, they're not in Metropolis. I think it'd be cool to see Zod take um, Jonathan and Martha captive, and he's going to kill them, and that's what makes Superman oh, kill Zod. Sure. Because then, there, then there's, more, there's more tension for us, and there's slightly more guilt on Superman's part. Because he wasn't just saving a random couple that he doesn't know. He was saving people that he loves. Yeah. And so there's a little bit more guilt associated with that as opposed to, um, because it's like, is this what I wanted? And I killed them over my parents being killed? I think yeah, that, that's kind of interesting. So so I'm in your version, does Jonathan Kent survive the movie? Um, yeah, I think I would have him. I didn't have this on my top three things. but um, Or I would have it be that, Maybe maybe Zod does kill Jonathan Kent. I mean, I think it's more powerful actually for Jonathan. So maybe it's just Martha because yeah. I think the way that Jonathan dies in this film is actually pretty powerful. Well, as we know, Martha is all we need to change the <laughs> entire course of the movie. So it, yeah, exactly, it does the trick. And then Batman can show up just in the exactly. middle of this, in the middle of this like uh, Smallville field. And be like, what is your name? What is your name, Martha? <laughs> what is that happening? <laughs> and why do you want to kill me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those are Batman impersonations yeah. for the day. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> okay, so that's your number two? That's my number two, yeah. All right. Mine is um, 
This might sound harsh. I want less Jor-El. Oh, okay. So, and here's why. All right. I feel like um, it's a little cloudy. So I love the opening scene with Jor-El. I love how much history they give us about Kryptonian. That Krypton, opening scene's great. Krypton. Yeah. And I love that there is some representation of him on the ship yes. for Clark. Yes. But I don't necessarily like how that representation is an AI who he can interact with and then actually steps in and like helps them when they're on the other Kryptonian ship with Zod and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like that's muddying the waters a little bit. Yeah. So for me, I would rather just have it be some sort of recording that was left behind by Jor-El for Clark that lays a whole bunch of stuff out for him. But in the end is really just a recording similar to what we get in Superman, the movie from Marlon Brando. Right. I get behind that for sure. I, I do think it, it would be fun if there was some sort of artificial intelligence because I do think the scene with um, Lois where the artificial intelligence jo- or, um, Jor-El is leading her through the things like now duck yeah. in here and now do that. I think that part's cool, but I agree with you. Like it doesn't make sense because like literally it's an AI pretending to be his father and we know it's not his father. Yeah. And there's just, it's just, it's very confusing. Cre- it's a little creepy actually. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like they couldn't make a choice. It's like, well, we kind of want more Jor-El, but... <laughs> right. You know, and I just, I think it's more impactful if... We don't want Russell Crowe to yell at someone on set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's more impactful if Jor-El truly is dead and gone and there's no new... Yeah. Experiences to be had yep. with Jor-El. Because I think it's stronger if he is truly a relic of Clark's past. Exactly. And I also think that the same could actually apply for Jonathan Kent because we've seen him appear and talk to Superman, mm-hmm. right? And I think that it'd be, it'd be better if that was more clearly labeled like a memory or like a... I like those scenes. The scenes are powerful. But yeah. like you said, like if he's interacting with a memory or if, he, if, if Superman is like dreaming of what he might have said yeah, as opposed to interacting with either... An ethereal being that, yeah. like, a is it a ghost? Yeah, is that yeah. a ghost or is that like it's never really explained? I like the fact that there's a technological slash spiritual component because we did contrast that a little bit in when we talked about Man of Steel. Like Jor-El is like because it's AI, he's like the, the technological, yeah, thing. And then like Jonathan, since since you know if we if he ever if Clark ever interacts with Jonathan, which is mostly I think in Batman v Superman, but if he ever does interact with him, it is kind of like a ghost or something. Yeah. But so I do like those aspects of saying like this is could be this could be more of like a spiritual thing and this could be more of like a tech thing. But we can do that with recordings and memories as opposed yeah. to like weird concepts that are never really explained. <clears throat> yeah. All Jor-El really has to do is inform his past. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Beyond that, we don't need him. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm down with that. So, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what's your number one? So my number one, and uh, I don't know that these are a little bit more out of order for me because I just don't, there's not yeah. one of these that I have yeah, necessarily they preference on. But um, so I'm carrying forward the same theme. I do like that Zack Snyder likes to put spiritual things in his comic book films for uh-huh. sure. I love that aspect of it. 
But what I would prefer to see is, again, taking this Zod character and making him want to be like a god, I think would be more interesting. Like, if you truly was the Kryptonian <coughs> uh, David Koresh, <laughs> I know we're making a joke <laughs> about that, but as, as a point, David Koresh thought, basically claimed to be Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. So, like, I think it'd be interesting if, if Zod was more compared to Jesus Christ, but like a perverted version of Jesus Christ, as opposed to having Superman slash Clark Kent compared to Jesus Christ throughout. Yeah. I, I don't mind the symbolism. I'm not offended by the symbolism or anything like that. It just You're seems... okay with him flying out of the ship with his the Christ pose with his <laughs> arms all spread out for no reason whatsoever. Well, it's it's maybe a little forced in places, but I think I think that if you do those things, you create a conversation. And I like those conversations. That's why we do this podcast, because the conversation was created. And that conversation was prompted by some comic book people, for sure, but also by Zack Snyder in this film. Yeah. He carried that forward. So I think that I like the comparisons. I'm just thinking that it might be more powerful if if it was... Zod and the negative comparison yeah. as opposed to Clark and the positive comparison. Yeah. That'd be more interesting to me. So, um, and I think that, that what it could be is this perversion, which I think we see in people like David Koresh and people who get followers, but it's like a cult, is that they, they get something special. And so as Zod is creating human beings and transforming them into sort of more super beings with yeah. the Kryptonian technology, they're, they, they are like craving that because I don't want to get, well, I guess I'll dive into this because it's crazy deep, right? But <laughs> um, but the story from the Bible about Adam and Eve mm-hmm. is that they wanted to be like God. Right. So I think that there's a really interesting thing to be played with there of all these human beings that are like, we want to be like God. Yeah. And, oh, Zod can do that for us? Yeah. Like, we're going to go do this thing. Like, we're yeah. going to become more like Zod slash God, right? Like, yeah. I think that that's fascinating to yeah. me. So, and in the in the garden, Satan is the one that tells them exactly. you can be like God. Exactly, he's like that's why he's lying to you because he knows you can be like him, and he doesn't want you to. Yep. So then you have the Zod that's as exactly the, what Zod would say. Yeah, and it's like, and he's like the perverted Jesus slash actual Satan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So I think that would be, I think that'd be really cool, and it, it makes for such a smaller, more intimate story. I think overall, yeah, which would be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's funny with the, the Christ imagery. You know, I know there's this the spaceship scene where he flies out of the spaceship with his arms, you know, out in the Christ pose. Yeah. For all of the crap that people give Superman Returns. <laughs> yeah. There is a scene in Superman Returns where Superman is hovering above the earth uh-huh. and he's listening. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that scene. And that is, he doesn't have his arms spread out. Like his pose is completely different. Yeah. But it's he has got kind this of his, very his legs, his much legs are like, like separate, his legs are like uh, one leg, one knee up, kind of like yeah, 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 yeah. And it's very much like he's just there, like watching over his people. It's very mm. sort of yeah, you know, God the fatherly yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. And I love that scene. That's a cool scene. I think that that imagery is better than any of the the sort of savior imagery that we get in Man of Steel. Yeah, I think. I mean. If Zack Snyder, we know from the Christ comparison and the through line, and we didn't touch this in the Man of Steel podcast, nor did we really talk about it in the in the Batman v Superman podcast, because we've done a couple of Batman v Superman podcasts. Yeah. But Zack Snyder's through line comparing Superman to Jesus Christ is fairly 
complete in that he grows up wondering what he's going to be. I think Jesus didn't kind of wonder as much as Clark wonders, but he is sort of tempted to join Zod's side and kind of take over and transform it back into what it was. Yeah. But he has, he has this, like, like we say that Jesus is fully God, fully human. Well, Clark as being adopted and he even has the identity conversation with Jonathan, which I still think is one of the best things ever. When I was on the ESO yeah. podcast, that's what I said was my favorite, oh. like one of my favorite lines yeah. or whatever. Uh-huh. I said, when he says like, you know, like something, he says something along the lines of, um, you know, are you going to keep pretending to be my dad or am I going to keep pretending to be your son or whatever? And, and he's like, like, you, you are, are my, my son. son. Yeah. yeah. It's such a great line. I yeah. think it's just fantastic. But I think fully God, fully human. So Clark is kind of like fully Kryptonian, but like now fully human because he's been adopted yeah. into the family. And so the through line being that in Batman v Superman, Superman does die to save Earth um, and then rises again in... in Justice League, um, which, by the way, spoiler alert if you haven't seen that <laughs> yet, um, which, which by the time you hear this should be yeah. spoiled already. But um, I do think that there's a, there is a through line that's con- consistent with that, but it got pretty dicey because with some of the um, cuts that were made that were then turned into the Ultimate Edition, and then eventually with uh, Joss Whedon taking over in Justice League, a lot of that through line just vanished. Yeah. Yeah, and I get all the Christ comparisons and stuff like that. And it's certainly, I mean, it is definitely a route you can go to add some relatability sure. to Superman and, um, you know, kind of bring it to a point where people can emotionally embrace it a yes. little bit more. Yes. But it always bugs me from one major, major glaring deal breaking perspective. <laughs> yeah. In that the absolute most important aspect of Christ yeah. is not represented in Superman, and that's choice. Ah, uh, yes. Christ chose to yeah. sacrifice yeah, himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Superman didn't choose this. He got rocketed off of his planet, and it was destroyed. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't think he would have chosen that yeah, yeah, just yeah. to go save people on this other random planet that he's never heard of. Right. So, and I know... I know people aren't really trying to say that Superman is Christ, but yeah. anytime I see that imagery and stuff, I'm like, that's just like, that is foundational to me. You know, yeah, like yeah. that is, without it being a choice, it doesn't have the impact. Yeah. It's not. Well, uh, another another thing I'd point out, just along those exact same lines, which is why I think the Christ comparison is, I would prefer that they actually compared Superman to the Messiah, and the Jewish concept of the Messiah. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like the difference with Christ, which who, of course, we believe is the Messiah. Yeah. The difference is, is that the message of Christ is that we cannot achieve salvation on our own. We cannot be worthy. But Christ was worthy for us and became submissive and died for our sins to redeem us. Yeah. Not so he did save us, but not he didn't save us in the concept of saying, like, I'm going to come and rule on earth for a better earth for you now. Yeah. And I think that's what we get with Superman. And that's like that was the traditional version of the Messiah, is that that would be a ruling on earth. Yeah. And it would be a just 
a just king on earth, right? Well, we got a just king, but it was for our souls. Yeah. And I think it just doesn't, the comparison doesn't work real well because it assumes that, like we talked about this, I mentioned the story culture already. We, I was on there talking about Indiana Jones recently, and the concept of the Holy Grail is a complete perversion of the gospel because the concept of the Holy Grail is if you're worthy enough, you will get everlasting life on earth. On earth, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, well, first of all, the only way I'm worthy is because of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm not, I can't achieve salvation on my own. But because of him, I shouldn't have to be worthy. Exactly. Because of him, I like, shouldn't have to be worthy. His sacrifice inspires me to strive for worthiness, but it's not a condition. Exactly. Yeah. And on top of that, um, my everlasting life is not on earth. Right. Right? So, so I think that thank drawing... Goodness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. Exactly. So I think drawing the conclusion that Superman and Christ are similar is an incomplete comparison no matter what you do. Yeah. So I think it makes... That's why I say like comparing him to Zod, but like perverting it is almost more interesting to me. Yeah, because you don't have to poke holes in it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Well, my number one, or my last one anyway... Um, so last time I said we need less Jor-El. Yeah. This time I'm going to say we need more Jonathan. Ooh, okay. So I'm going the other route. So I want this clear delineation between Jor-El is Superman's past. Okay. And Jonathan informs Superman's future. Oh. Ah. So he will still die. Okay. Because I In think the same there's... same way? Um, yeah, although I might not have him save a dog. <laughs> It might be more like a child or something like that, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's always been a little bit of a rub for me. I love, I get that his true sacrifice was not for the dog. Right. It was for Clark because yes. he, was, he was saving him from exposing himself. Yes. So, which sounds really Which bad. sounds bad. I, I mean, exposing that he is Kryptonian. Right. <laughs> he, was, he was helping him maintain his life. Whatever. I guess I can't come back from that one. But, um... <laughs> yeah, but it's a dog, you know? Yeah. It's like, I get that he wants to keep Clark from revealing his powers and stuff like yes, that. Yes, yes. But I don't know that a dog was so important that he should have rushed in to save the dog. Right. I feel like it would have been more impactful if it was like a kid. Yeah, totally. Or something. Especially like someone else's kid. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was, I think the connection with the dog was it was their dog. But I mean, like, yeah. it'd be more interesting if it was someone else's kid. Yeah, and then that informs what Superman ultimately becomes. Right. Like, he risks right. himself to save people that he doesn't know. Yeah, absolutely. But um, before that happens, before Jonathan Kent dies, I want to see more interaction uh-huh. between him and Clark. And even interaction with Clark in a more adult Stage. Oh, okay. So <clears throat> he could still die even at roughly the same point in the movie that he does sure. as far as runtime goes, but advance things a little bit so that we get to see him informing adult Clark, maybe even a little bit after Clark has gone to Metropolis mm. or something like that. Because I think most other Superman stories where Jonathan Kent dies, he dies a little later on. Yeah. So. I like that. And the reason for that is I just want to see more of that relationship. Like, Kevin Costner was the big surprise in this movie for yeah. me. I don't like him typically, and I loved him in yeah. this movie. It's one of my favorite roles in any movie. Like, yeah. it was just so good and such this strong sense of legacy and what he pushes Clark to become. Right. 
And Zack Snyder really had Jonathan Kent say some things that he's never said right. in other iterations before, like the whole thing where Clark says, well, what should I do? Just let him die? Yeah. And Jonathan Kent's like, maybe, yeah. you know, like <laughs> right. he's willing to say these very dark things because he's really trying to teach Clark what the world is going to think of him and what he has to be prepared for. Well, I, lo- I actually, one of the things I really love about that is you mentioned that line and yet... Jonathan Kent is willing to sacrifice his life even for the dog, right? So, like, yeah. like, 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 so his example for Clark is is essential because his example for Clark is almost superior than what he tells Clark. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's why if we go back to my last one, that's why I don't want Jorel to show up. Yeah, especially not after Jonathan Kent has died. Right, right, right. Because right. I think, you know, Jorel serves to tell Clark where he comes from. Yeah. Jonathan Kent serves to tell him who he is. Yeah, that's cool. So I like that. I just want a better delineation there, and I just want more Kevin Costner. Yeah, I think Kevin Costner is, like you said, he's, I don't know if I've ever seen Kevin Costner in a better role. I think it's his best one, for sure. Yeah. He definitely, I mean, as you think of some of the other roles he's had, he does... I, okay, so I'll say it this way. I feel like Kevin Costner is m- more unlike <laughs> Kevin Costner in this film yeah. than any other film he's done. Yeah. <laughs> I can think of two other movies that I really enjoyed him in, and they're both Westerns. So one of them is um, Silverado. Have you seen Silverado? I don't think I've seen Silverado. It's from the 80s. He was young. It was okay. early in his career. No, I don't think I've seen it then. Or it's with him it and uh, Scott Glenn and Kevin Klein and Danny Glover. Oh. And he's very, very different. He's like the wild guy. He's cracking really? jokes and yelling all the time. And <laughs> he's like the wild card of this Western bunch and stuff like that. Um, and then another Western, there's one that came out not too long ago, maybe 10 years. I don't know called uh, Open Range. Oh, yeah, I remember that. With him and Robert Duvall. He loves to do long movies. That was a long movie, too. It was. Yeah. But the relationship between the two of them was really interesting Ah. in that movie. Yeah. And it's it's an odd Western because it's like two hours and ten minutes of very slow (laughs) friendship-based, relationship-y stuff. Yeah. And then like 20 minutes of the most brutal gun battle you've ever seen (laughs) in a Western. So it's a Zack Snyder film. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah. So, but yeah, man, in this movie, he just, he's so good. And I feel like he was such a perfect fit. Yeah, I, agree. I totally agree. So those are the top three from both of us. Yeah. I think, that, I think, um, so the things I liked about this particular podcast is that we have very different films. If we change yeah. the way we change the things. Yeah. But they're both films that I actually really want to see. So, um I think that it makes sense. Like this is this is the coolest part about storytelling, is that with stories, there's so many different ways you can go. Like you literally have a blank page. Now, once you start down a path, you kind of got to finish that path. Like right. it only makes yeah. sense to do it a certain way. Yeah. But because of this podcast, we can just re envision the stories <coughs> from the very beginning, which means that we can re envision them from the end, right? Like yeah, kind of deconstruct the, deconstruct and then reconstruct them. So And you made a point too. I was listening to um I think it was your story cauldron episode uh-huh. that you were on with those guys. And you made a point that for us this is a luxury. We can sit back and we can make these choices about yeah. movies and stuff like that. 
But when you're in the thick of it, actually making the movie, oh yeah, sometimes things just don't go the way you expect them to go, and you got to make the best of <laughs> Man, it. Man, not at all. One story. Well, just one story. We we filmed Star Wars Rivals, which is uh, Reclamation Society produced. Uh, I co-wrote it with Ben Anklem, who directed it. We uh, shot that thing in one day, which is crazy. Um, <coughs> in fact, Ben likes to tell anybody who's in the industry, like, "Oh, we shot this in one day," because like, it's, like <laughs> Cause it's, it's an achievement. It's like a big achievement, yeah. yeah. And um, and there was this one part of the story. For the most part, you know, if you watch it and you think that there's any problems with it, I would be like, "Well, those problems were probably in the script," because. Yeah. It just so happens that we shot it to like pretty well to the script. So if it had problems, it was because of the script. But one like case in point to what you're saying is like you can't control certain things. We had there's this one prop that is kind of pivotal to the film because um, the lead character is carrying a satchel. And in that satchel is a part of the film where we use that satchel for her to um, pull out a uh, lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Well, the way that you the way that you film things is always or not always, but generally speaking, is out of order. Yeah. So we filmed the scene with her using the satchel, and then filmed the scene that was supposed to come before that, where we were supposed to. It was foreshadowing the fact, which this is kind of a little bit spoils the film, but it was foreshadowing the fact that she had another lightsaber. Okay, and so what happened was we were filming. We're this near the end of the day. Everybody's super tired. Like nobody wants to like. We all want to finish up, um, and we had left the satchel in the middle of a field somewhere. <laughs> like I don't. We none of us ever found the satchel. Like we don't know what happened to it. But the satchel was supposed to be sitting on the table, and then she was supposed to like reach her hand towards it. Like there's something else in there. It being the second license. Yeah. Well, we didn't have the satchel. So in this scene, that's a pivotal moment where we're foreshadowing the fact that she's going to have access to another saber. Otherwise, the other saber like just shows up out of the blue, and you're like, what yeah, in the world happened? Right, sure. So I'm watching the scene, and I'm like, I don't know if I should interrupt this or not, but like, I feel like I should say something about this. And, and of course, the crew is just like trying to get it done, trying to get right, finished, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So I go, I think we need to put her reaching for the saber and like put the saber underneath like a, like a little mat or something like she, we need to show that she's reaching for this. Cause if we don't have this, it's going to feel real weird when she pulls out that saber. Yeah. But that was an unplanned for thing that we had to come up with a solution for near the end of the day when people wanted to go home yeah. and it was like, we got to do something. Right. So I get it. Like if, if you make a film, it, you don't always get the film you wanted. <laughs> this yeah. is why they do reshoots. Right, like, because they do reshoots because they realize we tried to capture something, we didn't capture a moment quite right, and now it doesn't look right in continuity. Right, and so you're totally right. Like playing Monday morning quarterback, so to speak, meaning that we're looking at what what happened in the game and going like, oh, it would have been better if you did yeah, this. Yeah, is so easy comparative to actually doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Of my three ideas, what would you go for? Can you can you just give yeah, me? Yeah, we'll a, do a quick recap. Yeah, so, re- quick, quick, quick. tone down the destruction. Yep. Make um, Zod's make Superman kill Zod in an attempt to keep him out of the city. Yeah. Um, less Jor-El, keep him in the past. Yeah. And more Jonathan Kent. Oh man, um, I like all of those. I think. I think I'm going to say 
because I think this film is fairly deep as it is, <coughs> despite the fact that I love the Jor-El and the Jonathan Kent aspects mm-hmm. that, you, that you're bringing up, I'm going to say keep him out of Metropolis yeah. because it solves for the biggest problem that I have in the film, which is that yeah. God battle. Yeah. But I think all three of them are fantastic. So that's, okay. that's, that's why I would say that one. So, okay. So I'll give you a recap of mine. Yeah. We have, uh, remove the terraforming and right. make it more of a <laughs> Zod is David Koresh. <laughs> um, no God battle. So the end battle would take place kind of in a smaller location without as many powers. Right, right. And then the final one being um, take out the Jesus comparisons and actually apply them to Zod in like a creepy way as opposed yeah. to applying them to Superman. I think that's the one okay. that I would go with. Nice. Because I think that... I know Zod has motivations and stuff in this movie, but yeah. I feel like they suffer a little bit. Yeah. And that sort of twist to his psyche yeah. would go a long ways towards sort of filling in that gap, I think. Yeah, I think, like, I mean, all, all of mine have a little bit of a through line, so they're all sort of related, but one of the things I was thinking about with Zod was Zod's motivation is basically to create another Krypton because of the loss of Krypton. Right. But uh, Feora, is that saying her name right? Uh-huh. Feora? Feora has a moment in the film where she talks about how you know, like, I think Superman's basically saying, like, you know, we can't hurt people here or whatever. She's basically, like, she's basically the survival of the fittest. Like, you either evolve or you die, basically. Right. Is what, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she says something like that. And I think that, like, that's a really random thing for a character to say unless it associates with what Zod is doing motivationally. Yeah. So if Zod is saying motivationally, like, we're going to create another Krypton here by evolving humans, then Feora's message to Superman is now like, oh, yeah, I see what you're doing. You're taking humans and evolving them to be not what they are. And then Superman's sitting here going, but the humans I know and the humans that I've been around, um, a lot of them are awesome and I don't want them to evolve. Right. So I think it gives them more of like a philosophical worldview that's more consistent. In fact, um, I think, well... I'll save that for my spoiler, <laughs> my spoiler thing. But yeah, no, I think that'd be, that'd be, that'd be cool. Um, and I think it'd make more sense. Yeah. So cool. That was a good, that was, that was a fun podcast. Yeah. So this is the fun thing about make it better is that we're going to do this more often. Like it doesn't have to be movies that like have serious flaws. This movie has a couple flaws. And like I said, it does kind of tank near the end for me personally. In but fact, we're talking about doing one of these on, Literally my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> exactly. The Dark Knight. Yeah. Case, I guess you don't all know me, so I, I should clarify that. <laughs> yeah. His favorite movie is The Dark Knight. And I, and honestly, like, the only reason we haven't done The Dark Knight yet is because it's, it's going to be so hard to make it better. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be hard. So we'll do that one soon. But, yeah, we don't have to do just movies that we dislike. Yeah. So now... And we um, also haven't done a movie that we, like, drastically dislike yet. That's true. Like, we did The Phantom Menace, but I think Phantom Menace is still a Star Wars movie. Yeah, I still like it. Yeah. So, we have to do, like, a like a Transformers or... Oh, my gosh. You or, know what uh, I need to watch, too? Green Lantern. I need to watch... Happening. Yeah, the Green Lantern would be the best. <laughs> but Green Lantern or... Um, I have not seen uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, man. That one is... Uh, 
that's a bummer of a movie because it should be <laughs> so great. Well, that's what, and it's just not. That's the only reason I haven't seen it because it actually really interests me, and the whole concept interests me. Yeah. But everyone is so negative about it that I'm like, okay, fine. I, I guess I won't watch it then. Because yeah. but I want to see it again. So, so so maybe we should do maybe we should do a make it better one. Yeah. On that. But now what we're gonna do is. Um, if you're listening to this on any of your normal podcast uh, feeds or um, or whatever, it's probably we're not videotaping this one, so you've got to be listening to it that way. <laughs> um, we are going to break, but we are also going to give our fourth make it better with no rules. No rules. We have no rules. Our fourth make it better. But in order to get access to that, you're going to need to be a Patreon uh, supporter, patreon.com. Um, so we'll leave links in the show notes. Make sure you check that out. It's all you have to do is give like a really minimal amount to get access to this stuff. So it's really easy to get access to it. And, um, and we'd love to, for you to join the conversation. So we'll let you guys do that. And then hopefully you do that and you'll hear the rest of this podcast. And if not, we will see you on the next podcast. Sounds good to me. That is it for today's podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have an extra minute, write us a review or share this episode with one of your geek friends. All right, fellow geeks. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast.